0: Started on this very first Wednesday night of two thousand twenty-three. Everybody ready for a new year? Like this year's already done, we're ready for twenty twenty four. Let's go ahead and stand. <laughs> three days into it, I'm ready for a Mulligan, right? Thank you for being with us online tonight. Glad that you've tuned in on this first Wednesday night of two thousand twenty three. How many are expecting great things this year? How many's praying for great things this year? How many have a need tonight? You'll just signify by lifting your hand. Uh, A lot of stuff going on. A lot of people in the church that are still battling with some illness. Um, Some of you might have heard Mary Mercer had a scare today. Um, She's in Hughley. Uh, They thought she may have had a a, a stroke, but it turned out, I I believe, uh, a grandma stroke, and she's really doing well. But uh, anyway, we just, a lot of stuff going on. A lot of people battling with RSV. Flu, um, just some people just grumpy, and they just need a touch from the Lord. Not just, <laughs> but that's a prayer. That's a prayer need right there, you know. Uh, but let's just pray together, Father. Tonight we are so grateful to be able to come together on this first Wednesday night of the new year, and uh, Lord, we just celebrate the uh, possibilities of new beginnings. Lord, I thank you that with you, with you, old old things pass away, all things become new. And, Lord, for those that potential and the possibilities, Lord, we are so grateful, Lord, for each moment that you give to us. And I pray that we would uh, carpe momento, that we would seize the moments that you give to us to redeem that time and to use it for your glory and your kingdom. And I pray tonight as we open up every hand that went up in the building, those that are tuned in with us online tonight, I pray, Father, whatever that need is, those that need a healing touch tonight, God, I just ask that you would extend your healing hand and that you would touch them. Uh, Lord, I pray for those that are traveling. Uh, Many still are vacationing or out of school, and Lord, I just pray for those who will be returning home that you'll keep them safe. Uh, Lord, for the ministries that are taking place tonight across the campus, Lord, just uh, Lord, be exalted. Lord, it's all about you. Just give me Jesus. Father, I pray you'll be with us in our time of study. Open our hearts and let us hear what the Spirit says to us. Lord, bless the ministry this year. Lord, help us to dream big dreams about what you want to do in and through us to reach our community for you. We just thank you for all that you do. We ask it in Jesus' name, and we all said amen. Amen. God bless you tonight. Go ahead. and may, You may be seated. Turn with me to Hebrews chapter 10, and just a couple of announcements. Let me, uh, let me just say, say that men's breakfast, first one of the year, uh, kicks off on Saturday uh, at 8 o'clock here in the Family Life Center. Uh, so, guys, you're invited. Bring a friend with you. And then also next Thursday is our very first food distribution of the new year. So we kick that off and uh, we uh, you know if we have weather like we do this week we'll be we'll be doing all right uh, it's been it's been very comfortable uh, the last couple of times and so I'm praying for a heat wave you know at least in the 70s for that day as we move forward but uh, anyway let's get right into it I, I've I'm gonna use one of my I say this every time one of my favorite I'm not going to do a series until uh, here in a couple weeks, I'll start a new series. Um, but I want to talk about being an encourager. You know, I got to thinking about 2023 and what is the great need uh, in 2023. Now, Sunday I preached about uh, eliminating one word from your vocabulary, and the word can't. You know, get rid of can't. I can't do that. And start saying, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Uh, but I got to thinking about what are, what are some of the things that we need? And I I, I don't know that you would, uh, I don't know it would be a stretch to say one of the great needs of our time is an encourager, to be an encourager. I've used this text a number of times. I've preached on it, taught on it. I love this text. Here's what the writer of Hebrews writes. He says, let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as is the manner of of some, but exhorting one another, and so much the more, as you see the day approaching. And We'll just stop there. May the Lord add his blessing to his word tonight. Again, as I said, as we we consider the new year and all of the unknowns and the uncertainties that are yet ahead of us, uh, of the many things that we have to consider, to me, this is a high priority. Because, uh, again, we live in a time where there's a lot of uncertainties. You look at What's going on with our government? They can't come together to govern. Uh, you, you, you look at our economy, and and the answer to the economic situations is to go in the basement and print more money. And, again, it's just, it, there are just a lot of unknowns. You, you, you hear about climate issues uh, that are caused by, you know, volcanoes that have erupted in different parts of the world. They're talking about shortages and uh, pestilence and all this kind of stuff. And it's just kind of depressing, right? I mean, if, if, you, if you linger long enough with all the bad news, it's just kind of depressing. And, and, you know, I, I don't know about you, but it's always, when I was in the military, it was always nice knowing. I, I worked with a team, and it was always knowing that I had some people that had my back. You know, we call it cover your six. And it was always comforting to know that no matter what I was doing, I always had somebody to cover my six. It always was there to make sure I'm Okay. And you know what? I think that's a that's a good motto to have in life: is to know that there are people that have our six, that there are people that are watching out for us. They're watching uh, us in the good times, and they're watching us in the bad times. And not to gloat or not to heap on us like like uh, Job's friends. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about somebody to come alongside and walk with us through the difficulties that we have. Now, again, Hebrews. Uh, it, it, again, to me, is one of the most positive books in the Bible because when you start talking about Hebrews, you got to understand Hebrews was written to a bunch of people who were really struggling with some with with where they were. Uh, they were struggling with the times in which they lived. They were struggling with their with with their faith because they were being persecuted. Again, not because they were bad people. They were being persecuted because of their faith in Jesus Christ. And and what that had done is that the pressure of that persecution had become so great that many of them were reconsidering Christianity. And in fact, many of them were, were seriously contemplating going back into Judaism as some of them had already done so. Um, and, and so when you get into the book of Hebrews, Hebrews, again, talks about better things and it contrasts uh, the old covenant with the new covenant. And again, it always articulates how much better we have it in Christ Jesus, and, and, and so, you know, throughout this book, you know, you've heard me say this years for years about the book of Hebrews, uh, throughout this book, you find two, uh, you, basically you find one key word and, and that is the word better. Okay. So when you read Hebrews, pay attention to how many times it says better. It talks about how that we have a better hope, how we have a better resurrection, how we have a better high priest, uh, better covenant promises and on and on it goes again, we under christ have things so much better than those in the old testament under the old covenant but then it also again i've mentioned this a number of times there are two words that go along with it in the book of hebrews and that's the two words let us let us very important because the, the what it does is it indicates that there is something required of us let us do something there's some action required you know, too many people are wanting to wait on God and expect God to, to, to step in when they're not doing anything to help out. You know, there's two parts to a miracle, God's part, our part, His part we can't do, our part He won't do, right? And, and so Hebrews captures that and says, let us run the race, let us hold fast, let us persevere. Again, the idea is we have a responsibility in this faith journey that we're on because faith doesn't mature by sitting around waiting for some supernatural impartation. Listen, I don't have anything against people laying hands and praying. The Bible is very clear about doing all that kind of stuff. But I cannot have a supercharged faith just because somebody lays their hands upon me and says, I impart to you my faith. I don't believe in that. Faith requires discipline. Amen? You know, faith is developed and it's matured by disciplines that we practice on a day-by-day basis walk of faith you know it's day by day walk by walk journey of faith that builds and strengthens our faith now our text tonight again is one of those let us passages and it speaks again if you understand hebrews was written in a time where people were under tremendous persecution because of their faith it it really correlates with where we are in our culture today every one of us how many know somebody that's become weary in their walk with the Lord, I mean, most of us probably can name someone who uh, I like to describe them like this: they're the walking wounded. You know, their faith has been tried. Their faith has been, uh, you know, they just the the cares of life have just piled upon them, and they're wounded. And again, I mean, that's just the reality of where we are. You know, we all have our struggles at times, and and we we become the walking wounded. So we know people that are weary in their faith. We know people that are. Uh, they're being I don't know that people necessarily being tempted to bail out, but again, they're, they're just kind of meandering through their existence. There are people today that uh, they're just afraid, they're walking wounded, they don't understand what's going on and they're, and they're just afraid. And I think this is where our text rings in loud and clear because again, I think one of the great things that we need in 2023 Christendom is we need somebody to cover our six. We need somebody that we know can come up alongside of us. You know, the Holy Spirit, one of his names is the paraclete, paracletos, one called alongside. So we need, But we need somebody, a John or, or, or whoever, to come alongside and walk with us in those difficult moments of life. And so uh, this is where our text, I think, really rings through loud and clear. This book was written, again, to Jews. Who had been born again? So understand, they were brethren, and it was written to uh, these Jews that had been born again. They were Hebrews by birth; they were Christians by faith. Okay, so so what does it mean to be a Hebrew by birth? Well, what it meant was that they had adhered. They they grew up adhering to the rituals of the Old Testament. They knew the Torah. Uh, they kept the dietary laws. They sang the Psalms. They observed the feasts. They tied their income. They read the prophets. They kept the Sabbath day uh, holy. I mean, they were Jews from first to last. That's what it meant to be Jews. But to be Christian meant that they had heard the gospel of Jesus Christ and they had placed their faith in him as their Lord and Savior. They recognized Jesus as the promised Messiah. They now believed that all the Old Testament prophecies pointed to the Messiah, Jesus Christ. Now, here's what happened. Their Jewish friends, who were still Jews... (laughs) And not Jewish Christians now accuse them of treason against Moses. You know they looked at that again. If you know anything about the persecution of the Jews, those who accepted Christ became they came under tremendous persecution, and so now their friends are uh, basically accusing them of treason against Moses. They they they're under tremendous pressure. They're tempted to give in and lapse back into Judaism. Some of them had already done it. What was happening in their life was they were experiencing what you and I would know as spiritual warfare. They, they were they were involved in daily spiritual battles, and many of them had become casualties. Let, let me ask you this. Have you ever struggled with your faith? Again, I think most people, if you have a pulse and you've lived more than five minutes, you've probably struggled at time because it's sometimes very difficult to correlate what we live out on a day-by-day basis to what we read in Scripture. You know, Joe. you think about Job, and I've talked through the book of Job, But Job didn't understand. He knew that God was supreme. He knew that God was all-powerful and omnipotent and all of this stuff. He just didn't understand why God allowed what happened to him to happen. He didn't understand why God did not intervene in those situations. And we're the same way. We're the same way. I I made a post the other night, Monday night. It just dawned on me as I was sitting there, 11 years ago on Monday was the day that our world changed because Sheila had her stroke. On January second, two thousand and twelve, it was a, it was a day that just, for me, was uh, was went down in infamy for us, and and I got to thinking about it, in light of the teaching tonight, and I thought, you know, that's where people struggle because we don't understand, we don't understand why bad things happen to good people, we don't understand the struggles of our faith, and and these people again, we can relate to what's going on, they're being persecuted, they're having friends that are now turned their back on them. They've disassociated themselves with them. Uh, ha- have you ever been a- tempted to throw your hands up and say, you know what, what's the use? You know, there are many people that, that come into the faith, and that's why you have to be very careful. I think you have to be careful about emotional appeals because there are people that get stirred with their emotions, and they make a decision that they've never thought through because, uh, you know, they, it, in, that, in, in that emotion of the moment, it's easy to say, yes, I'll, I'll follow Jesus. But then when all the emotion's gone, there's not a commitment there, right? Does that, does that make sense? So that, that's where the struggle is. You know, and sometimes we, we jump in and we see all the roses, but we forget about the thorns, and then we won't throw our hands up and say, what's the use? I thought if I made Jesus my Lord and Savior, I wouldn't have to worry about this, 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 and this. And when I find out I have to worry about it, then I start, okay, what's the use? Well, if that's how we feel. Again, our, te- our text speaks really to how we come alongside and help one another when we go through those things. Listen, for everyone that's in the body of Christ, in, in, in Bethel Temple in particular, on a Sunday morning, there's there's multiple people that are here with a plastered smile on because behind the smile is the reality of a hard life. At that moment, they're going through, as, as David writes in Psalm 23, 4, they're, they're going through deep, dark valleys of life. You know, we can't see it because we, we we dress up, we put the smile on, but the truth of the matter is there are people that come, they're hurting, and they're longing for someone just to take the initiative to reach out and say, you know what, hey, let's let's chat. How you doing? How you doing? And look past the plastered, I'm fine. You ever met somebody that was good? I'm fine. <laughs> Usually... When somebody says to me they're fine, I want to say, "Okay, fine. How? Tell me what's up," because <laughs> usually there's more behind it than that, right? So th- our text tells us how do you do that? How do we come alongside someone, support one another in tough times? Well, again, he says, "Let us consider verse uh, verse number. What did I say? Verse eleven? No, no. I'm sorry. I'm in the wrong. I'm looking at the wrong thing. Verse twenty-four. Let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds. Let us not forsake the assembling together. Our let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but let us what? Encourage one another. And all the more as you see the day coming. The, again, the phrase let us means that there's something we have to do. There's some activity that we should be involved in, and, and there, there's it's three times, three times in this two verses that it says let us. First of all, he said let us consider how we may spur one another on. Well, that's interesting, the word consider, means to fixate to fixate it's it, the idea behind it if you want to look at a word picture the word picture behind it is a radar locking on a locking on to something you know like if you've ever watched a, a war movie or maybe you've ever uh, you know military you see these radars and you see a bogey that gets locked on that's the idea it's fixating it's it's uh it's considering uh and, and the idea behind it is to to contemplate a strategy, okay, to respond. So consider, he said, let us consider or let us fixate on how we might help someone. That's kind of that's kind of the idea right there. We're to strategize how we may come alongside and spur each other on to love and good deeds. Now, the word spur is uh, it just means to poke the bear. It's a deliberate provocation. It means to provoke, provoke. It almost always in the New Testament is used in a negative form, you know, something like uh, deliberately picking a fight with somebody. You know, they he provoked him until he had it, all he could take and then he slugged him. This case, it's, it's a positive thing. We're, and, and basically what he means is we're to find a strategy that will enable us to deliberately provoke one another to love and good deeds. In other words, I'm to fixate on finding some way to encourage or provoke people to love each other and to do good things. The second use, he said, let us not give up meeting together. Again, the temptation in the first century Jewish believers because they were being pressured not just from the Roman society at large, but they were being pressured from their Jewish friends and family that they, again, committed treason against Moses and against God. And and so they were being pressured, and the temptation was simply to bail out, quit going, quit assembling with Christians. Don't hang out with the Christians. You know, isn't it interesting today when, when you have people that go through difficult things, the natural tendency is to withdraw. You ever notice that? You look around and, 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 and you see people withdraw. That that probably is a pretty good indicator. They're going and battling some things that we don't know about. Listen, one of the spiritual disciplines and spiritual gifts is not ESP. Okay, we don't we don't we don't have extrasensory perception. We, you know, I used to tell people all the time, I don't know that you have a need unless you tell me. Right? I mean, there are just some people. It's assumed you ought to know. You know, like you spend all day on social media. They're going to post it on social media, but they won't tell anybody else. Anyway, I'm going to get off off my soapbox. (laughs) But he said, uh, again, don't give up meeting together. Again, if I'm going through something, the temptation is to withdraw rather than run to. He said, you know what? Don't give up meeting together. Don't stop congregating. Don't stop fellowshipping. Don't stop that. The, the, the relational connection. Again, God created us to relate to him and to each other, to love and to be loved. That's the two foundational desires of the human being, love and to be loved. The last thing he said was, let us encourage one another. And that's where I want to part for a little while, encourage. The word encourage means to inspire. Inspire someone to continue on a chosen course. or maybe, Or maybe it would be like this, to impart boldness, to embolden somebody. Uh, you ever had somebody come along? Uh, when I played when I played baseball, my mom was was uh, my biggest cheerleader. And even though you know, as a kid growing up, it, when I got my teenage years, we didn't have that great of a relationship. But but playing baseball, my mom was, in fact, when I played in the nineteen eighty uh, Babe Ruth World Series tournament, uh, the, the you know the the games where they decide who goes to the. Uh, so I played in the southeast Regional there in Mobile, and it was at Stanky Field at the University of South Alabama, and I was probably 14 years old. My mom had a shirt made, mom of number five, that was all 12 years I played ball, I was number five. It said, mom of number five, and you could hear my mom above everybody else, and this was a university stadium, biggest stadium I'd ever played in my life. You could hear, I'd get up to bat, she would be cheering me on. In fact, she cheered so loudly, she was interviewed on the news (laughs) because I guess she was louder than everybody else. But you know what? Isn't it amazing when you have somebody cheering you on how much harder you try, how much stronger you feel? You know, again, thinking about parenting children, you know, you get a whole lot further along with your children by encouraging them. Say, I know, you know, I used to say all the time, I bragged on what my children could be, not what they were. You know, I could look and see potential that God placed in them, and so I wanted to brag on what they could be, not what I saw, because they were rotten and all. Anyway, they're, they're listening to me. <laughs> the Greek word translated encourage has the idea of coming along to someone's aid, coming alongside to aid somebody. It's, uh, so, so, so picture it like this. The word encourage is like you see somebody who is struggling in their walk, okay? They're carrying a heavy load. And they're, they're, again, heavy laden. They're, they're bent down. Uh, they're, they're staggering. They're falling every few steps. And you can see that they're never going to make it to their destination. You know that they're in pain. They're hurting. So what do you do? You stop what you're doing. You rush from where you are to where they are. You pick up their burden, and then you put your arm around them, and you walk with them to their final destination. That's the idea behind the word encourage. Come alongside someone and help them. See together you make it. What's the old acronym team together everyone accomplishes more. See that's what encouragement is. Encouragement is coming alongside another person to help them in their moment of need. And again 2023 I think is going to be a year where we are going to need encouragers like never before. Because we we live in a world our faith is going to be tested in ways that we can't even begin to fathom. You know, we, we thought 2022, you know, no holds barred, and you got weird things coming out of, you know, I mean, weird things everywhere. You got, again, I don't, I'm just me, okay? But you got people that don't know what bathrooms to go into. You got, you, 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 again, we're just confused. We, he's the author of confusion, and everywhere you turn, we have confusion. And we got kids that are being raised in a confusing time, and they're not sure what's right and what's wrong. We, this is where the church needs to step up, and we need b- believers that are grounded to come alongside, encourage them. You know what? Keep standing for the truth. Don't you imagine that when, when the writer of Hebrews says, uh, you know, don't forsake assembling together. Why? Because you need, to, you need that encouragement. You need that mutual encouragement. We live in a world that's going to beat you down and beat you down and beat you down, but you need to come to a place that's going to raise you up and lift you up and encourage you and spur you, provoke you to keep on keeping on. That's the whole idea. And I promise you in 2023, we're going to need that. We're going to need that. See, encouragement is fundamental to the Christian faith. We need this because everyone, again, is having a hard time. There, There's so much despair in our world. Some people are so, listen, some people are so negative and never happy about anything. You're always going to have that, okay? Maybe you've heard this story. I know i told this before, but I love this story. You heard the story about the man who joined a very strict monastery. It had concrete floors, cold biscuits, and hard work, and he joined anyway. And one of the rules of this monastery was that the monks had to keep absolutely silent. There was total silence, and they could only speak two words every five years. Well, this fellow decided he wanted to enter that monastery, so he goes into the monastery. He kept silent for five years. When the time came for his review, he went to his superior, and his superior asked him, said, okay, what's your two words? The man said, food bad. He was blessed, told back, told go back to do his job, and so he went back and worked another five years. And finally, after that fifth year, he came back, and his superior said, "Okay," said, "Um, "What's your two words?" The man looked at him and said, "Bed hard." He again blessed him and sent him away. Five more years passed, and the superior called him in and said, "Okay, what are your two words?" And the man looked at him and said, "I quit." His superior said, That doesn't surprise me. He said, You've done nothing but complain since you got here. <laughs> Listen, there always gonna be there's always gonna be somebody that just that just flows in the negative. We know we know people like that, right? I mean, they can find something wrong with a sunny day. Just gonna be like that. That may be fine folks most of the time, but if you talk to them long enough. They're going to start complaining. Listen, when I see, I, I want to be an encourager. I don't want to be a. If your name's Debbie, I don't mean anything by it. I don't want to be a Debbie Down, downer or negative Nancy. I want to be an encourager. I want to look for the sun, the rays of the sun. I want to see the silver lining behind the the clouds. I want to encourage people to to can you can do this. You may not have done it in the past, but you can do this. Listen, we live in we live in angry times, right? And nowhere is anger more prevalent than on social media today, right? I mean, good night. You go on there, and I mean, if you follow Facebook, Twitter, and other social media outlets, I mean, people say terrible things on social media. In fact, I believe people say a lot of things on social media they'd never say to your face. I mean, who would have thought that 280 characters could be so mean? And yet that's where we are today. We write things in anger that we would never have the courage to say in person. We lose our temper. We question motives. We slander others. We spread rumors. Sometimes we use language that comes from the sewer. Sometimes we do it to defend our Christian teachings that we think is being threatened. It's happening today. Good motives are still not an excuse for sinful behavior. Amen? Good motives are not... You know you might want to defend the faith but good motives are never a defense of sinful behavior you might say well I'm fighting fire with fire which okay that's true except my dad was a firefighter and they fought fires with water different again I understand sometimes we have to, we're going to have to confront truth with error I mean we have to be we have to be what's the word I'm looking for we have to be resolute in our stand on biblical truth we have to with everything around us sinking sand, we, the only thing that sets us free and the only thing that brings freedom to us is the truth of God. I don't need social engineering and I don't need uh, economic engineering and, and all this other stuff. To I, I don't need that. I, I saw an article today that talked about how that there's a new company that's a, just a startup company and they're going to go up into the atmosphere and they're going to start sowing, uh, spreading particles in the atmosphere to alleviate some of the Climate change stuff that's going on, and my first thought was, "Man, you jacking with God's creation? You better be careful." You know that jackalope that everybody sees—that mythical—it's going to start happening, really. No, I'm just kidding. Again, we we need to be we need to be steadfast in God's truth, and when that time comes, we need to speak the truth, right? Even when we know that there's going to be an angry response, but in those moments, we need the Holy Spirit to guide us. What I'm just simply saying is that uh, I think it's it's important that we understand an encourager is not one who condones errant behavior. Again, I think sometimes the church has gotten so caught up in love one another and and all this kind of mushy stuff that, again, is appropriate to love one another and care for one another, but In that love, it's not saying condone sinful lifestyle. We still have to speak the truth. We still have to stand up for what is right. We still have to shine his light into the darkness. But it's important to know that I would rather somebody, what is that old saying, I would rather you slap me with the truth than to kiss me with a lie. That's an encourager. How important is is it to be an encourager? Well, Mark Twain said, I can live a whole week off of one good compliment. I thought that's pretty good. William James, James, who's the father uh, of modern psychology, said, The deepest principle in human nature is the craving to be appreciated. of boys. Again, if you have somebody in your corner cheering you on, that's where the husband-wife relationship is very important. If a wife knows that her husband is there, is her biggest fan and supporter, she can go the extra mile. That husband knows that, again, he's going to deal, he's going to put up with hard, difficult things, knowing that he has a cheerleader there that says, honey, I believe in you. I can trust you. George Adams said it like this. Encouragement is the oxygen of the soul. There's a Japanese proverb that says, one kind word can warm three winter months. (laughs) I like that. One kind word can warm. Can warm three winter months. Maybe you've heard this before. If you treat a man as he is, he will stay as he is. But if you treat him as he were, as if he were what he ought to become and could be, he will become bigger and better than he was. I know that's a mouthful, but it strikes me as a, a really a true statement. Again, it's kind of the way I raised my children, because I looked at my children and I saw that they were. They were fearfully and wonderfully made, but I also saw that they were born in sin and shaped in iniquity. <laughs> but I looked past, you know, and, and they were bound to error, okay? But I looked past that, and I saw the potential in each of those. And so I would always brag. You know, my son played ball. I'd be there to cheer him on. My daughter was in the band. Whatever she did, I'd cheer her on. At her so- uh, softball games, i cheer her on. You know, I've shared this before, but, you know, I can count on one hand, how many times, you know, I had this thing that i do with Rebecca, and you've heard me say it before. But right at the time the band would get out to play, she played the oboe, okay? So so it's a double reed instrument, not very useful in marching band. So they had her in the marching season. They had her on the marimba. And I, I tell her, I said, you ought to get up here and play that. <laughs> She's like, Dad, I'd be embarrassed. <laughs> but what that meant was they were in the 50-yard line in the front, right there by the, and so I'd sit there. i have been sitting in the same spot there at the stadium since she was in ninth grade. So that's probably, it's been a long time. And right before the band, the announcer comes on the radio and says, and now, golden pride of Cleburne High, you know, and they get ready to play, and there's just that moment, there's a silence, and I'd stand up and go, go, Becca! And you'd see her head go. <laughs> she would just drop that head. There was a time I had a, I had a funeral, and they were in a competition in H-E-B area. And I told her I would be there. No, it wasn't a funeral. I was speaking at a men's event, and it was going to be over at, at noon. And I had to make it from May Pearl to H-E-B uh, in time for her event. I said, sweetheart, Daddy, I've not missed. I'll be there. And, boy, I was pushing it. I mean, I was pushing it. And I kid you not, I pull in, I run into the stadium, and I'm getting through the little tunnel to go out to the, to the bleachers, and they stop me because it was their time to go on. And so I'm standing there. They won't let me in. And the announcer comes on and says, now we want to welcome to the field the pride of Cleburne High, the Golden Pride marching band. And then there was that silence, and I stuck my head as far out as I could, and I hollered, go, Becca. But she didn't even know I I was not out there. After it was over, she came up to me. She said, Dad, I still get mushy-eyed with this. She said, I didn't think he was going to make it. She said, but then I heard your voice. And, you know, you think about that. How much of an encourager? That's what we're to do. That's what we're to do to one another. We're to come alongside and, and encourage. Let your voice be soothing. Let it be, you know, I can remember being deployed in the military. You know, it would be just, just, the, just the intensity of deployment. And back then we didn't have cell phones. And, and I always looked for an opportunity to stop to a pay phone. <laughs> You know, they used to have those things. You know, you could find them on corners. And I would stop at a payphone if I had a moment's break, and I'd dial up my wife. And just to hear her voice, it gave me a few more days that I could be deployed. You know, there's just, that's the encourager, okay? Again, if, if you treat a man, the point being is people tend to become what you think them to be. They'll either live up or down to your expectations, if you treat a man as a as trustworthy, he'll, stri- he'll strive to prove himself to be trustworthy. If you tell a child you can do it, you know what? Pretty soon that child's going to start to believe it. They're going to do it. If you, if you treat a friend as an enemy before long, that's what he'll be. If you treat a man as a criminal, he'll prove you right. He'll pr- prove you right. The writer continues in verse 25 says, Let us encourage one another. And then he says, All the more as you see that the day approaching, what day is he talking about? Well. Undoubtedly, it's the day of the Lord. As you see the nearness of the return of Christ, don't forsake meeting together. Don't stop encouraging one another. Why? Because the going's going to get tough. The going's going to get tough. Luke 21, again, he describes it. He said, now, when these things begin to happen, look up, lift up your heads because your redemption draws near. That's the day that he's talking about. When you see these things happening, don't stop meeting together. Don't stop fellowshipping together. Don't stop encouraging one another together. You need to continue provoking one another to love and good deeds. We already, uh, again, let me jump down here. Uh, The writer mentions two areas of encouragement in verse 24. He says, love and good deeds, okay? Love and good deeds. What does that mean? Well, love moves in the area of attitude, (laughs) okay? The area of attitude. He said, look, develop a, a good attitude. Again, it, there's enough in this world to make us depressed. There's enough in this world to, to really upset us. He said, you know what, encourage one, provoke one another to love. That's, that's the trademark of the believer, right? By this shall all men know that you are my, my disciples if you, if you love one another not if you wear a shirt that says, I'm a believer, not if you pull out your membership card and say, I'm a member of this church, or I, I'm a, you know, your ordination card or whatever. No, he said, by this shall people know that you're, that you belong to me, if you love one another. Love one another. It, it moves in the, a, a, the area of attitude, while good deeds moves in the area of action. So you got, you, you've got attitude and you have actions. So we have to encourage people into a positive way of thinking and a positive way of living. That's what that means. Get them to think good. What did Paul say to the Philippians? Whatever's true and lovely and noble, get them to think like that. Oh, yeah, chicken little, sky's falling. (laughs) No, get them to think positive. Positive. Again, I'm not talking mind over matter. I mentioned that a little bit on Sunday. I'm not talking about the PMA side of it. I'm not talking like that. I'm just simply saying how people to develop the mindset. Again, we are always negative. We always, I talked to a man today, uh, a wealthy individual, and he uh, was talking about just coming out of Christmas and how much he was complaining. I said, isn't that a trap of life? I said, because we always, you know, he said, I've got boats, and I have houses, and I got this, and I got that. And I said, you know, isn't that the way that the enemy works? He always wants us focused on what we don't have, and we forget all the stuff that we do have. That's it. Think positive. Encourage people. They may be going through the ringer right now. Encourage them. You know what? It's going to get better. It's going to get better. We we trust in God. You know, trust God. And, and, and again, we do. We think positive, and we live, and we have a positive way of living. Um during a, during a battle, when the heat and the smoke fill the air, you know, we're under that tremendous pressure, and there's two temptations that we have. The first one is to get angry, and the second one is to give up. When you and I are in the battle of our lives, faith-wise, and, and, and the assault's coming, every angle and every, every, every possible place, again, get angry and give up is the temptation that we face. He said, you know what? Go ahead and provoke others to start thinking properly And start living properly. That's how you defeat that. Christian encouragement is so important, especially these days. Again, this is not a ministry for the select few. I know Barnabas was an encourager, and we all need a Barnabas, but I think collectively on the body of Christ, we all need to be encouragers. It's the responsibility of everyone who names the name of Christ to be a fellow encourager, to, to, to cover the six of their brothers and sisters. You ever watch those nature shows? You're watching, you know, an African scenery, you know, somewhere in the Serengeti, and you see these water buffalo, and they're trying to make a, they're trying to make a their trek across the river, or whatever. And you see the lions, and you already know the story. You see the lions over here, and it's time for dinner. And they see those lamb chop or those water buffalo chops, and they're ready to go. You ever notice which ones that get picked out? It's the ones that are tired and weary and lag behind. The ones in the middle of the herd, the ones that, are, that have gathered together, they typically aren't the ones that are, that are selected. It's the ones who are, who are struggling, the ones who have slowed down because the journey has become very difficult. That's the same way. That's, that's a strategy of the enemy right there. People in our body that get picked off are people that are going through things. And again, the natural tendency is to withdraw and so they're straggling, and what does the enemy do? He, he, must, he musters his force because he says, you know, there's a vulnerable one right there. That's where the body has to step up and say, hey, come on. I've also watched those videos where the lion has come out and attacked one of those water buffalo, and somebody, a couple others from the group turn around and come back and start headbutting that that lion. That's, that's the, the encouragement that I'm talking about. See, we may have to suit up in our armor and go stand beside a brother or a sister and say, come on, devil, bring it on. I'll take you out. That's encouragement. So let me ask you, what's your, what's your encouragement quotient? Do your words build up or do they tear down? Do you inspire others or do you depress others? <laughs> do you seek the good of others or do you point out the bad? again these are these are questions as we move into the into twenty twenty three The temptation again is always negative it, It's a fire that draws the crowd right? Let some tragedy happen and it draws the crowd and inevitably there's always going to be somebody well they deserve that they shouldn't have had that thing plugged in or they should't you know whatever don't do that. come alongside and encourage one another. See, we're often better at encouraging those we Hardly, you find this to be true, we're often better at encouraging those we hardly know than the ones that are closest to us. But the ones that are close to us need, need that voice of encouragement as well. Our children need that as well. They need to know that mom and dad, especially now, that child's self, uh, self-esteem or self-image is being formed in their early years, and they need an encourager. They need to know mom and dad believe in them. You know, I get my grandbabies, and I tell them all the time. I, I, again, I do the same thing with them. I brag on how wonderful they are and what they could do. My heart did sink today a little bit because my oldest, Audrey, had, had been telling me she was going to go to the University of Alabama. Made a, made a proud papa. She's nine years old, third grade. <laughs> papa, I'm going to go to Alabama. And I'm like, sweetheart, I'll help you get there. I'll even get a camper and come move off campus so I can be right right there with you told me today, she said, "Papa, you know I'm going to college? I said, you are told me Alabama? She said, no, I'm going to Tarleton. I'm like, what? She said, yeah, I'd be close to home. <laughs> I do like her reasoning though, right? <laughs> but I want to believe in her. I want to encourage her while she's young. Again, she gets all this negative stuff that's going on in the world, and we just need people to come alongside and just say, hey, you you can do this. Encouragement is vital in these dark days. So I, I've got just a couple more minutes. Let me, so how do we do that? How do we incorporate that? How do we become an encourager? How do we incorporate that in our daily life? Three things. Number one, encourage daily. Notice what he said here verse 13. But encourage one another, or not 13, what did I say? Anyway, 24, whatever it says. Be, but encourage one another daily. Daily. Be free with, with praise and be stingy with criticism. It's easier to criticize than to praise, but be, but be generous with your praise and be stingy with your criticisms. He continues on, and he says, and here's what he says. It is verse 13. He goes on and says, but encourage one another daily, and here's it why. So that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. Encourage one another daily so that your heart doesn't become hard. If you only hear praise every once in a while, if you're going through the battle, after a while, that you get beat down and beat beat down, and your 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 heart begins to harden. Again, it's helpful to understand that the Christian journey is not a sprint; it's a long haul. It's a long distance marathon. It's a run. It's much easier to finish when we're being encouraged to stay the course, to keep on running. You know, it's a jungle out there, and we need people to say, "Hey, man, you can do this." Hebrews twelve says again just a couple chapters over says wherefore seeing we're we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses who are the witnesses well they're the saints that are alive now and they're the ones who have gone on before who are encouraging us their story encourages that's encourages us that's why you have hebrews 11 the the, the hall of faith is all their stories encourage us to keep going to run our race with perseverance again it's not a it's not a sprint if you've watched uh, again uh my humble opinion is is I believe the church on Sunday is vital, and i'm just going to put it like this I believe Sunday meeting together is very very important, but you know what I also believe that strong relationships need to extend outside the church meeting on Sunday mornings. I think we have to fellowship together outside of what we do on Sunday mornings and wednesday nights that's why we you know, we started the connection groups. Was, that was one of the purposes behind it. Koinonia is a, is a very important thing, in, especially in these days, because that's a place where we can come together in a smaller group and we can encourage one another and love on each other in a more, uh, I think, a more beneficial manner than the, the, the body at large. The second thing is this. So how do we do it? First of all, we we encourage daily. Secondly, we motivate. Verse 24, let us consider, again, how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds. Provoke. Motivate. Think about how we can do that. How can I encourage somebody today? How can I prod them to keep on going when everything in them tells them to stop? Fellowship is the key. Don't stop meeting together. Don't stop provoking. Don't stop motivating. Keep that going because you're going to need it. The third thing is this. meet Again, meet. We. I just said that, meeting. Again, let us not give up meeting together. We're commanded not to abandon the meeting together with other believers. It's important. I know the church doesn't have a high opinion in today's society and high regard, but those of us of the faith, we understand the vital nature of what the church offers. It's a place where we can come. Not only can we come as a community, of faith in the body of Christ and hear from God, but we can come and encourage one another and we can be discipled and grow and use the gifts and talents that he's given to us to bless brothers and sisters and to expand his kingdom. It is necessary. According to this verse, there's an urgency in meeting together. You can almost hear him, don't stop meeting together, even especially as you see that day approaching. When you see the signs that Jesus talked about, Matthew 24, Luke 21, when you start seeing these things, don't stop meeting. Don't slow down. Keep coming together. Keep encouraging. Keep provoking each other. Keep motivating each other because the time's going to get tough. Paul said it would be perilous times, terrible days. As I close tonight in 2023, let that be the defining characteristic of who we are. Let us be an encourager. Let us have each other's six. Somebody wants to come to you and gossip about a brother or sister, just tell them to hush, politely. Just hush. Or take them by the hand and say, let's go find them and let's talk about it. At some point, we've got to stop that nonsense. I, I'm not saying it's happening here, but you understand what I'm saying. At some point, that's got to stop. We live in a world that just takes pot shots all the time. We need a place where the family can get together and are safe. We're safe being us, being real, and encouraging one another. And here's the thing. You know, this is the one thing. Encouragement is, is not something that perishes or de- depletes. While we use. Isn't it interesting? The more you use it, the more you get. You ever notice that? You don't deplete your supply of, of, of encouragement. The more you encourage, the more encouraged you become. The more you give, the more you receive. By helping others, what do we do? We help ourselves. By strengthening others, what do we do? We strengthen ourselves. By lifting someone's load, our load becomes lighter. Again, that's kingdom way of living. It doesn't make sense, but that's, if, if, that's, if you ever get in the habit of doing that, you find that to be your experience. Like the miracle of the loaves and the fishes. Fish. Fish, not fishes. <laughs> the miracle of the loaves and the fish. The more you give, what happened? The more they had. That's the way it is. Be an encourager. Have somebody sex. The more you pour out, the more he pours in. Listen, I'm closing with this. Dark days are coming, okay? And I, don't, I know I say that probably every week, and I don't mean that to be, a, you know, just a doomsday, doom and gloom kind of guy. I'm just, I'm just a realist, you know. But the Bible says where iniquity abounds, grace did much more abound. I think this is one of the greatest opportunities. You look at the first church, the early church, first century church, the persecution they endured, the suffering they endured, and yet it was said of them, they turned the world upside down. I mean, all of that stuff. That's why I believe that the greatest hour uh, is, is the hour in which you and I live. The greatest and most opportunistic time is right now for the church to step up, encourage one another to keep running, and shine our light into the dark world that we live in. I believe that. Stories told as this is the last story, and I'm closing. <laughs> There's a story told about a little boy second grader who was trying out for a part in the school play okay and i love those things. i love watching my, those kids in those plays so when it came when the day came for the auditions his mom took him to the school and waited for him to come out it was closed audition so he went in she waited for him to come out and she was very nervous because <laughs> she knew her son she knew he couldn't sing he couldn't act <laughs> he couldn't dance And he couldn't memorize well. But she carried him to the to the tryout anyway. After 45 minutes, the second grade boy came out and had this big smile on his face, and mom looked at him and said, Well, honey, how'd it go? He said, Mom, it was great. Guess what? She said, What, son? I've been chosen to clap and cheer. (laughs) You know what? We've been chosen. (laughs) to clap and cheer for our brothers and sisters on a daily basis. That's our assignment. We've been called to be encouragers, and we've been commissioned by God to clap and cheer our brothers on, to weep with them when they weep and support them, and rejoice with those when they rejoice and support them in that regard. Would you stand with me tonight? Instead of finger wagging, let's clap our hands and rejoice I like that. I like the spunk of that little boy. I've been chosen to clap and cheer. Won't you bow with me tonight as we close in prayer? Just one simple thing. Maybe here tonight say, you know what, Pastor, I want that to be my 2023. I want to be an encourager. I want to have somebody six. I want to be that one to come alongside and walk with them through difficult times. Again, the tendency of our nature is to be be negative. I want to be a positive person. I want to encourage others. I want to provoke them to good thinking and good living. If that's you tonight, would you just slip in right, right back down as I'm going to pray as we close. If you're online tonight, just comment. I want to pray for you as well. Father, tonight I love you so much and I thank you. Lord, I thank you that you've called us to be encouragers, to come alongside of those who are heavy laden by the cares of life, weighted down, overwhelmed, and to help them. Lord, that requires an investment on our part, and I know that's the difficult part of it. But, Lord, the more we give, the more it pours into us. The more we pour out, the more you pour in. And so, Lord, I pray that you would help each of us. and I pray that you would help this church be that encouraging church that is known to circle the wagons when one is hurt, when the enemy comes like those wild beasts to pick off one of our own, Lord, may we circle the wagons and may we stand in the gap and fight and encourage and provoke for them to keep running. Lord, you said run to win. Lord, help us to run our race with perseverance, with endurance, with patience. And Lord, while we run, may we watch out for those on our right, our left, or in front or behind us, Lord. May we run together, encouraging one another, provoking us to stay in the race and to stay strong. Now, Father, I pray a blessing upon our 2023. Lord, if you tarry this year, Lord, let this be a year where we see the encouragement quotient of all of us just shoot through the roof. Lord, may we start provoking people to positive thinking and positive living. And Lord, may we make a difference. Go with us, I pray tonight. Give us a great, restful night. May we wake up inspired and encouraged tomorrow. Bless those going the teachers and going back to school tomorrow and the students. Uh, Lord, I ask you to prepare even now our hearts for what you're going to do on Sunday. Bring people from the north, the south, the east, and the west that need an encounter with you. I love and bless each one now in the mighty name of Jesus. And we all said, amen. God bless you. Thank you for being with us online. I look forward to seeing you next time. God bless you, and I love you very much.
1: Yes, it does. Yes, it does. Oh, it speaks a better word. Speaking life for me. It's rewriting.